When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the online marketing made easy podcast episode number 55. Welcome to the online marketing made easy podcast business advice. So easy. You'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here, so thanks so much for tuning in. Now, over the last few weeks, we've had a lot of great conversations. You've heard me talk to Jeff Goins about finding your purpose. I've talked to Ramit Sethi about mental confidence and overcoming fears, and today is an equally valuable conversation because we are talking about your target market, who they are, how to find them, and most importantly, how to speak to them. Now, the reason for this progression in all these great topics is because last month I sent you a survey, at least if you're on my email list, I did, and I learned a lot about what you all want from me. Now, here's the deal. I have a product coming out soon. It's called the Profit Lab. You might've heard me talk about it before. Maybe you've been a member of the Profit Lab. And every year, I like to refine it and make it better. So this year, it's kind of a big deal for me. I'm a little nervous because I'm taking a big leap, but I feel very strongly that this is what you need. So instead of calling it the Facebook Marketing Profit Lab, I've actually cut out the Facebook Marketing part of the title. Now, don't worry. There's still a huge component of Facebook Marketing inside the Profit Lab but I wanted to expand and I wanted to make sure you had exactly what you needed based on so much of the feedback I got in the survey. So the new title is The Profit Lab, How to Create Marketing Systems in Your Business so that you can grow your email list and sell more products. Now, I launched this product twice a year. I used to do it three times a year when I started it back in 2012, which feels like a lifetime ago. But each time I release it, I recreate it so it stays fresh and valuable. And because there is a big component of social media inside the Profit Lab, we all know social media, especially Facebook, changes all the time. So I need to keep it current. And I want to make it current for those who have gone through it already because it expires every year, their membership. So I want them to re-engage in the Profit Lab so I always add new elements. 
So this year I'm recording all the new videos, rewriting all the worksheets and the cheat sheets and redoing some of the exercises. I mean, actually this year it's a whole rehaul because, well, wait for it. I'll tell you why. And that's why I'm doing this episode today about surveys because it's pretty amazing what I found and I want you to have that same experience as I have. So let me kind of set the stage here. This year, as I've been getting ready to launch this product, I wanted to make sure I was actually connecting with my target audience, which is hopefully you. I wanted to make sure that if this product was going to knock your socks off, it had to deliver exactly what you needed. So to do that, to deliver a product exactly what you needed, I needed to find out where you all were at right now, you know, in terms of your business goals and your growth. And I wanted to find out what you needed and where you were struggling, not just in your business, but if you actually were a part of the Profit Lab in years past, I wanted to know what you needed to change or what needed to be different to get even bigger results. So knowing all this stuff about what makes you tick, what makes my target audience tick, allows me to really tailor the content in the Profit Lab. And here's what's so great about being an entrepreneur and creating online training programs. I can be flexible. I can change things at a moment's notice. I can retweak an entire program to make it even better than the year before. So that's what I love about what I do. And those of you who do similar things as me, you probably really get it. You're probably shaking your head like, yeah, I do love that part. It's just really great to stay nimble and to give your audience exactly what they need. And so in order to do this, I put together a survey and the responses knocked my socks off. So first of all, if you filled out the survey, thank you so very much. If you didn't, that's okay. I want to know if you can identify with some of the findings that I'm going to report back here. And then of course, I want you to use this information for your own surveys, for your own audience. The thing is, I knew who my target audience was. I've I've known for a few years and I feel pretty confident about that. However, I didn't really know them the way I thought I did. The survey gave me a chance to understand how they think, what kind of language they use. This was huge. I'll I'll give you an example of that one. I found out what kept them up at night. It was very clear through all the responses and why they come to me as opposed to anybody else in the online marketing world. In other words, I found out what unique needs I'm able to provide for them. This is valuable stuff. If there's one thing I've learned in the past several years, both from my own experience and from all the interviews I've done on the show, the main element in your business success is your list. You've heard me say it over and over again. Your email list is so very important, but more specifically, the nature of the people on your list. Now, this is not something I've talked about a lot and why I really wanted to get specific here. So who is it that you're speaking to? What are they struggling with? What makes them confident? What are they trying to accomplish? Not just in life, but really specifically right now. These are some of the questions I wanted to explore. Now, you all probably have been familiar with the avatar exercise or, you know, finding your ideal customer avatar. And there's lots of exercises you can do. I will say that they've always stressed me out. I've done them for sure, but they stress me out. I don't necessarily love them. And I have to say that I wish I never did any of those exercises before I actually took time to do a survey for my list. 
Now, if you're thinking right now, Amy, I can't do a survey for my list because I don't have a list to email the survey to, don't worry, I'm going to address that. So no worries there. You can do a survey even if you don't have an email list. So stay with me here. So here's the deal. We touched on this a little bit last week with our interview with Rami, but it bears repeating. The more targeted your audience, the more leads you will convert and the better your sales will be. There are people that you do not need to worry about in terms of making sure your message suits them because they are not your target audience. The more you can hone in on who it is and be dedicated and just fiercely loyal to that target audience, I'm telling you, you're going to see a drastic change in your revenue and just your overall impact. Making more money is the direct result of making sure you're talking to the clients that have the problem you're referring to and are interested in the solution you have to present. That's something that I really want to make sure that you really get. This is really important. No matter how good your product is, how good your marketing, you're going to fall short of your sales goal if you're not talking to the right target market. You all know this because if you filled out my survey, it was very clear that many of you are struggling with who your target market is or even more so where to find them online, how to get in front of them how to understand what they need and want, and then go locate them online. I heard you loud and clear throughout the survey. Now, by contrast, if you're speaking directly to your target market, you're going to exceed your sales goals by leaps and bounds. I have no doubt about that. So this definitely is a topic that I think is going to be very valuable for you. Now, getting back to the product launch and why I did the survey, I knew that the people in my ideal audience, at least for the Profit Lab program, either have a product already or they're very close to finishing one. And I know that they want a system to pull it all together to create consistent revenue. Now, the product that I'm offering, the Profit Lab, has always been about a system, but I've refined it based on the survey. So I'll tell you what I did. Now, that word system, it's a biggie for me because here's the deal. So the Profit Lab, in the sense that I re-engineered it, it's a step-by-step training to create your first profitable sales funnel. And a sales funnel to me is starting with something of great value, building up your audience, growing your email list, and then taking that list and knowing what emails to send down the funnel in order to convert your email list on a consistent basis. Now, a lot of people that follow me, are fairly new in their business, maybe one, two, maybe three years. And many of them, based on the survey, they have a product or like I said, they're creating one right now. But the thing is, the number one thing I heard was they're not getting enough sales. A lot of people said no sales, but a great handful said just not enough sales. I'm not seeing the sales that I should be seeing after I put my heart and soul into this product. Now, there's a lot of factors that go into that, and I address it all inside the Profit Lab, but here's one thing I want you to understand what I learned in the survey and what you can learn in your survey as well. So when you hear the phrase sales funnel, what do you think of? Some people in my audience get overwhelmed. They have no idea what goes into a sales funnel. It sounds a little bit too techy, a little bit too advanced. They think their business isn't ready for a sales funnel. 
And so they could shut down completely. So if I came out with a product that all I said was how to create a sales funnel, I might lose those people. Now, the way I see it and the way I've built my business is I believe you need a sales funnel from the get go, whether you're in your first few months or the first year of your business, or definitely if you're in year two, three or beyond, you must have a foundation in your business that's built on a sales funnel. Now, I keep it really simple, meaning I don't do a lot of bells and whistles because you've got to start with the foundation. You've got to just get the pieces in place. And then you can add as many bells and whistles to the sales funnel to create as much money as you want. But without that foundational sales funnel in your business, you've kind of got nothing in terms of generating consistent revenue. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm not telling you this just to talk about my product. I really have a point here. And that is that my audience came back in the survey and they said they need a system, an email system, a system for attracting and capturing leads, a system to get more sales. And that's exactly what the Profit Lab teaches, but really I'm teaching them a sales funnel. It's just that my audience, some of them, a great handful of them are not using the term, Amy, I need a sales funnel, but I was able to read between the lines and it was very, very clear that my audience wants to find their target market, build their email list and turn that list into profits consistently so that they can then Focus on the areas of their business that they love. That rang true throughout the entire survey. So my point here, knowing the language that your audience is speaking is so very valuable. Now, I'm actually going to do a webinar and it has the word sales funnel in it. However, I love the magic of subtitles because the subtitle will have the word system in it and it will talk about target market, growing your list and making more sales. So I'm going to be bold and come out with sales funnel in one of my titles, like a free webinar, but I'm also going to make sure I explain to my audience what that is. I would have never done that. I wouldn't have gotten the system connection here if I didn't do the survey. Imagine how that could have affected my whole product launch, the core messaging of it all. Crazy, right? So I don't want this to happen to you as well. I kind of dodged a bullet and I want to help you do the same. So going back to something I said earlier, I also found that a lot of my target audience is confused about their target audience, specifically where their target audience is hanging out, where they spend money, how do they attract them? Like these are important things to know. And there's a million different exercises that you can do to figure this out. But I strongly believe that surveys are the way to go, at least the starting point. And then you can do a whole bunch of other things and investigative research to really hone in on that target market. Hear me out here, guys. I really, I know I'm kind of long-winded here in this intro because I'm going to get to the good stuff, how to create a survey, what to put in it, the actual questions to ask. I'll get there. But the reason I'm so passionate about this is when you nail it with your target market, meaning you get them, you know the language they use, you know where they're spending time, you embody them. You might not be them now. Like for my target audience, I was in their situation. I totally get it to the core because I know their fears. I know their challenges. I know what they need. They need more sales. They need a system. They need a plan. I get that because I've been there, but that might not be the same for you. You might not have lived the life that your target audience is living. That's okay. You still need to embody them in the sense that you get them, you understand them, you hear them, and you're here for them. And I think that makes 
all the difference. I'm telling you, it makes all your marketing easier. We're in the coming episodes, we're going to talk about copywriting and we're going to talk about making sure that your product actually is meeting the needs of your audience. And in order to do that, you got to know your audience. So that's why I think this is just so very valuable. Now, Ramit Sethi, he was the interview before this one. So number 54, he is a master at surveys. So I've been studying some of the stuff that he's put out there on surveys. He talked a little bit about target audience in his interview. And so that kind of spurred me to do this episode for you as well. So I learned so much from this experience of surveying my audience that I wanted to share some of those insights with you, how to create a survey that gets you into the minds and hearts of your target audience. So you can design, redesign, or market your products in direct response ways, meaning getting that direct response from your audience because you know how to talk to them. The results of this, of creating this kind of survey, I probably don't need to tell you, but they will help you sell more of your products. And remember, don't worry if you're just starting out and your list isn't that big. You can still design a survey that gets you these answers and helps you build your list. And I'll tell you how to get that survey out there. So don't worry about that. Now, before we dive in, I want to tell you about the free giveaway for this episode. This is serious stuff. We spent, my team and I spent hours and hours on this free giveaway. So you're actually going to hear me talk about it a little bit more through the episodes to follow. But here's the deal. We created a free giveaway called the Product Maximizer, four smart ways to sell more products online. And in it, I go through the details of creating a survey. So you'll actually, you don't have to take notes on this episode today. I'm going to talk you through it. And then you can get the notes step-by-step inside this free giveaway. But I also talk about how to position your products with different tiers in order to get more people to buy because you're offering different levels within one product. So I talk about that. I talk about how to use your blog content to actually find your target market and then sell more from your website. And then of course I talk about what a sales funnel looks like, what's all involved. So I've got four smart ways to sell more of your products. That's the giveaway. All you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 55 download amyporterfield.com forward slash 55 download, or you can text the phrase 55 download to 38470 text 55 download to 38470. All right. So are you ready? Do you want my specifics for your funnel? Let's go ahead and dive in. Now, your first step is to design your survey questions. Now, remember, your survey isn't a Gallup poll. You're probably not trying to figure out, is your audience in their 20s or their 50s? Are they male or female or information like that? So before you start drafting your questions, take a minute to think about what your survey is really trying to find out about your target market. Now, Ramit Sethi, I've mentioned him before, he has a really high rate of participation with the surveys. The reason, he says, is simple. He only puts questions on the surveys that will lead to direct action. You really need to pay attention to that, direct action. In other words, if the answer to a survey question won't show him an action he can actually take, he doesn't put it on the survey. Now, this was huge for me because in my surveys in the past, I've really messed up on this. And what I mean by that is I would ask questions that I thought I should ask. Like, "Mm, this is a good question to put on a survey. 
But then I didn't actually qualify it with a goal, like the action I wanted to take from those responses. So I'd get answers like, why did I ask that? I didn't really even care about that. Or what am I even going to do with that? So this time, every time I wrote a question for the survey, right underneath it for like personal reasons, meaning no one was going to see it, I wrote goal, colon, and then like what the action I was going to take once I got the information from it. So let me give you an example. So let's see here. If the question was, what was the biggest business win for you in the last six months? The goal I would write was, I want to use the language they're using about wins and accomplishments in my marketing copy. So I wanted to find out, like, what is a win to you? And are they really big wins? Or, hey, I actually put together a to-do list today, and that was a win for me. Like, I wanted to kind of gauge the temperature of wins for my audience. And so I would use that language they're using to, you know, relate to them in my marketing copy. So that's the kind of thing that I did this time that I've never done before. Okay, so we all know that endless surveys with loads of question get really, really boring. And you want to steer clear of all these really lengthy questions in your survey. So make sure that your questions are all focused on the goal of learning something specific about your target market that you will actually take action on. I just really need to impress that upon you because it's so very valuable. So I have some notes in front of me and I wrote these out. I'm going to give you some examples just so you really get it in your body in terms of what I'm talking about here. All right. So you're going to hear me shuffle around a little. Give me a second because I want you to really understand this. I want you to see it come alive. Okay. So here we go. So if you're thinking about like the bigger picture questions, um, one might be, is your audience who you think they are? So for example, you want to find out maybe how happy are they with their fitness level? maybe on a scale of one to 10. And you might want to follow that up with a more specific question so you understand why they're happy or why they are not happy. Or maybe if you're in real estate, are you hoping to purchase a home in the next two years? Well, that will identify if you are talking to the right people. On my survey, I led with the question, are you currently selling a product? And I followed it up with, if they said no, if not currently selling a product, do you plan to sell something in the next six months? So I got 69% of the people said, yes, I'm selling a product. And if they said no, then 82% on that next question, are you planning to sell one in the next six months? 82% said yes. Why this was important to me is because I thought I was attracting an audience that either has a product. Now, when I say product, I mean program, service, even um, physical product, online product, all of that. Are you selling something basically? And I thought I was attracting that audience, but I wasn't positive. I mean, it's been a while since I surveyed my audience. So that was really important for me to know. Okay. Then moving on, what do they find relevant? That's another big picture question. So an example, do you watch videos to learn about exercise and nutrition tips? Or do you surf the internet to learn about possible neighborhoods or areas where you'd like to buy a home? As you can see, I'm using fitness and real estate as examples. So for me, I asked, are you satisfied with your sales results? And I got a whopping 91% of people that said no. Now, why was this important for me to ask? Because if I got a whopping 91% of people that said, no, I'm not satisfied with my sales results. And I gave them them some options like, yes, completely satisfied. Um, I think there might've been one like, Mm, I, 
I'm okay with it, but I'd like more. And then there was one that was just like, no. And so I gave them some options there. And so what this tells me is that my target audience will find a product about how to increase their sales very relevant for them right now. So we need to make sure we understand what our audience finds relevant. So another thing, what product or services in your niche are you already using? That's like a big, big picture one. So what are the other products they actually are investing in? So I might say, which of these fitness sites do you visit on a regular basis? Check all that apply. And then I might give an option for none of them and they can tell me which fitness sites they're checking out. We always love to know who our competitors are. So it's always good to ask. Or as a realtor, when you're looking for homes for sale, do you A, ask your friends, B, visit a realtor, C, use Craigslist, and then I might go on with other questions. But I want to find out how my audience is getting information and which products and services do they find valuable. Another big picture question is what kind of needs does your target market have that are not being met right now? So a question, what part of your diet plan is the easiest for you to skip or cheat on? That's kind of a weird question, but you get my point. Like what in your diet plan is not working for you right now? Or real estate, what are the things you most look forward to about owning your own home? Now, the reason I ask that one is because I want to hear and I want to know why they're doing what they're doing. Why are they looking for a home right now? Knowing those emotional points, because it's usually always emotional, that will help you reach your audience through all your messaging. So I ask my audience, what are the top two or three things you are most proud of in your business? And what's the part of your business that causes you the most stress, anxiety, or worry? So this allowed me to learn what kind of language they're using to describe their wins and what kind of language they're using to talk about their struggles and challenges. This is so very, very valuable. So I really want you to get to the emotional side of things. You know, I just recently read this great book. It's terrible because I'm not going to know the authors, but it's called Great Leads. And actually, I think the recommendation came from Derek Helpern of Social Triggers. Anyway, it's called Great Leads. And the word leads has nothing to do with growing your email list. Leads would be the, the leading message or core message you go out with on a sales page or on a marketing piece that leading your audience. And anyway, in that, they talked about if you can meet your audience and really connect with them on an emotional level, the selling is seamless. That's not even an issue anymore. If you really meet them at the emotional level, that's where it matters most. And I really do believe that. I mean, I'm a sensitive girl, so I get that that emotional thing (laughs) comes pretty naturally to me. But if someone connects with me at that emotional level, heck, I'm, I'm sold because I know that they get me. So I think that's really valuable. Okay, another big picture kind of thing to look at. What about their current situation needs improvement? So a question, what would make it easier for you to follow your diet exercise plan? Now, these questions I'm asking you, of course, they're not perfect and you want to play with them as they relate to your niche, but you also want to be really careful with how you let them respond, meaning every answer shouldn't be an open-ended paragraph. People do not want to take those surveys. And the examples you might give them in A, B, C, or D, you need to really think about those as much as you know about your audience already, use that knowledge because what they're choosing 
is going to limit you if you put responses, A, B, C, and D, what they can choose from, if it's not going to actually relate to them. So just be careful with every word you put in your survey. So again, what about their current situation needs improvement? Um, For the homeowner, it might be, what do you wish you could know about a home you're thinking about buying that you usually don't find out until later? Now, this is a good question because you're getting beyond the surface with things when you're asking, you know, what do you really wish you know, but you just never find out till later. So I think that's great to go deeper with that. So with mine, I said, what do you think are the personal and a professional roadblocks that get in the way from generating the sales? Now, this was only seen by people that said they were struggling with their sales. I'll talk about using different survey tools to ask your questions, but with SurveyMonkey, which is what I use for this, I was able to have people only see certain questions based on the question before, and that was really valuable. But again, I asked, what do you think are the personal or professional roadblocks that get in the way from generating the sales? And I asked this one, even though I had already asked them their areas of stress, anxiety, and worry. I wanted to drill down more. I wanted to hear how they were explaining this, and I wanted to give them another opportunity to talk to me about it. And here's what I found. Many people said that they are feeling stuck, or they're struggling with getting in front of the right people, or they're stumbling over the tech stuff. Lots of valuable information here. Now, let me give you a little tip. If you use SurveyMonkey, and I upgraded to like the highest level just for the period of the survey, and then I downgraded because it's expensive. But when you upgrade to the highest level in SurveyMonkey, when you ask open-ended questions, and this was an open-ended question, SurveyMonkey will create a word cloud for you. And that word cloud is a bunch of words or short phrases that people are using over and over and over again. And so in this word cloud, if I see the word sales, I click on it. And then I see all the responses for people under that specific question that mentioned sales in their response. That's how I knew people were saying no sales. They need a sales funnel. That did come up when they talked about no revenue. Little sales, few sales, like this came up over and over and over again. I would have not gotten that if I didn't have the word cloud because I had over 5,000 surveys to get through. So there's no way I could read every single one word by word. So these word clouds allowed me to drill down and then I could see what people were talking about. So feeling stuck, that phrase came up so much that it made it into this small word cloud that these are the words that were most used. Interesting, right? Okay, another big picture. What do you feel would set them up for success in the future? So if we want to know kind of looking forward, what do they really need and what's going to get them big wins in the future? You could ask, if you could have your own personal trainer 24-7, what would you have them keep you accountable on? So getting really specific, like what do you need to see success? Or for the realtor, what kind of questions do you hope to ask next time you visit an open house? Or you could even ask, what kind of questions do you want to ask, but you just don't at an open house? Like, let's just get real with them in that respect. Or I asked, what do you wish was different about your business right now? This let me hear a little bit more about their challenges, dig even deeper. And I asked it in so many different ways that you'd be amazed with how honest people were with me about their struggles. That's another thing. When you build trust with your audience, when you really build that relationship, they want to tell you what they need. And I'm telling you, these people poured their heart out. So if you were part of it, thank you so much. It was so valuable. Here's another one. What have they tried before that worked for them in the past? 
So last time you felt satisfied with your fitness level, what kinds of diet or exercise plans were you following? Or describe the last time you left an open house or a meeting with a realtor feeling confident about the possibility of buying a home soon. Obviously, those are more open-ended. I try to keep the open-ended to very few because I know people get overwhelmed with that, but those are some good questions to ask. What kinds of products? This is another big picture. What kind of products or services are they considering right now for their particular needs? Now, I didn't ask this one, but it actually is a really good one. It's just a little bit difficult to ask. So if you can find a great way to ask a question like this, go for it. Some of the examples my team came up with are, do you plan to sign up for any of the following in the future? Maybe a personal trainer, Weight Watchers or similar accountability program, meal delivery service, gym membership. So see, we're keeping it general. We're not mentioning, although they did mention Weight Watchers there, we're not mentioning all these different diet plans and programs, but just more, a little bit more in general. Or what kind of options are you currently exploring for your interest in purchasing a home? And then I would list the options that you know they're probably considering and see which one pops up the most. And then lastly, here's another big picture. If you're curious about what your audience will pay for, maybe you're newer in the market. Like I'm I'm pretty clear about the price points my audience will pay for. But if you wanted just a little bit of feedback about this, be careful how you ask it. But if you're thinking, you know, I want to know, where their mindset is around price points and what they need in terms of payments and options. A question might be, what pricing structure appeals to you the most? A flat fee, a subscription like renewed each quarter every year, a monthly membership that just expires when you want it to expire, packages with several different value tiers, price points, all that good stuff. This one's a little tricky and I did not ask it. I just wanted to throw it in here because many of you on the survey wanted to know, what should I price my product? And there's a lot of conversation we can have about pricing a product, but it wouldn't hurt to get a little bit of info from your audience about, you know, price point and what they're looking for. But I would dig into that one a little bit deeper in terms of how you want to ask it as it relates to your niche. Okay, so now we're going to move into the second step. First, we design our questions and now we need to get people engaged with our actual survey. So let me talk to you about ways to get people to actually engage with the survey. Okay, so it never hurts to offer an incentive or entice people to take your survey by giving away something of free value when they do. And I did this where I did a contest and I gave away five $100 Amazon gift cards. So if you were a winner, congratulations. But I wanted to at least make it worth their time. Just give me five minutes, you could win a hundred bucks. Kind of worth it. So contrary to popular opinion, a survey doesn't have to be dull or dry. You can create a survey that's quick, quick is a very key word here, enjoyable, and create some excitement around an upcoming product. Now, I didn't mention the Profit Lab in my survey, but I definitely asked questions that related directly back to it. And now I have the opportunity to talk about it here on the podcast because we're talking about the survey that I did. So there's, there's ways to kind of weave it in and say like, Hey, I'm working on a product and this survey is going to help me figure out what you need. And you can actually come out and say it if you want. It depends on the level of relationship you have with your audience. I could have definitely done that, but if it's a brand new audience or if it's a cold audience, meaning you don't have a list. So we're going to talk about how to use social media to get some feedback. Well, that's a different ball game. So you want to be careful how you set that all up. What you do want to do if you offer them an incentive or not 
you also want to offer them a great experience. So let's talk about that. Number one, give the survey your personal touch. If your client agrees to take the survey or if you're a fan or customer, it means that they actually like you or they like the giveaway. So don't put on the clinical white coat for the purpose of the survey, meaning all corporate speak and really serious. Write the survey the way that you would talk to your audience in your blogs, in social media, or on the phone. So get really personal with them. So the news agency Quartz put on a survey last year. This is interesting. So their target market was the hardest group of all to convince to take a survey. Busy C-level executives, people who run the world's most powerful companies. And so that kind of person usually doesn't take surveys. So surprisingly, their email messages got through to these big dogs. Here's what one of the emails actually said. Are you reading this on a phone, a tablet, a computer, or something else? No, we really want to know. We're conducting some research on how you like to consume news. Take our survey here. And then they could click and take the survey. I like that. No, really, we really want to know. And so just, you know, kind of surprise your audience with a little bit of, I don't know, personality like that. And you're more likely to get them to want to take the survey. Also, they used a personal tone, they provided context, and they led with an immediately answerable question. That's important. The question you lead with shouldn't be dull. It shouldn't take too long to answer. It should be a no-brainer for your audience, but interesting enough that they think, all right, maybe you do actually care about what I have to say. I'll take the bait. I'll answer that. So that's the kind of thing you want to think about. Number two, make the experience as user-friendly and smooth as possible. So use a platform that you've actually vetted for bugs or that people have told you are really good. SurveyMonkey, it's excellent. I think it's a really good tool to use and I really like the analytics. I'm not going to get much into analytics in this episode because it's already getting longer than planned, but I'll say that, you know, finding out what people say and how to put all that information together to make sense to you, SurveyMonkey does a great job, at least at their higher level they do. And then Pop Survey is another cool one. Pop Survey looks different than SurveyMonkey. It's actually a little cooler, but I haven't used it enough to know about their analytics a lot. So you want to do some research, but there's a lot of options out there. Just make sure It's mobile friendly. That's huge so that people that want to complete your survey can actually get it done. So mobile friendly, very important. So this was something else that Quartz focused on, you know, making sure it's really easy to fill out and it's a good survey with a good experience. So get this. Not only did those top execs, the people that were really hard to get to fill out a survey, not only did they fill out the survey, they tweeted it out with praise about how well it was designed. Now that is a winner. So it really does matter what the survey looks like and the ease of use. So just remember that. And also a lot of the times when you use like SurveyMonkey lets you do this where someone fills out a survey and then you can have them tweet about it or post it on their Facebook page to get other people to fill it out. So it really does matter that your survey is enjoyable because that will make people want to fill it out especially if you add an incentive, that's even going to get more shares. So like if you share this with five people, you get entered into the contest five more times. I think there's some functionality out there you can research to allow you to do that. Okay, number three, skip the long intro whenever possible. So if people are on my email list, they already know who I am and what I want them to do with the survey because I explain it in the email. So when they get to the survey, 
I do not want them to have to read a big intro before they answer the first question. I just want them to go for it. Keep that in mind. Even when you're using social media to get people to fill out your survey, you do want a little intro there, but I'm talking two, three sentences max, and that's all. Also, this goes without saying, because I think you already know this, but everything you do for the survey, keep thinking in your head, you're doing it to help them. It's about them. Sure, you want the information to create really great messages with your marketing, but first and foremost, you need to learn what they need and want so you can help them, serve them better. So it's all about them. Every time you write a question, it still has to be all about them. They will see right through that if it's not. So be really careful with those questions. So in addition to a really short blurb, if you're including it on social media, here are some helpful things to include when announcing your survey how long the survey will take. I usually say like, give me five minutes and be honest about that, but tell them how long you're going to need or just answer these six questions or what you want from them. So help me learn how I can better serve you. Like just come out and say it or what you want to learn from them. So you can say, help me understand how I can better serve you. So you can come out and say it or why it's important to you. You can say something like, I want to learn more about you or your feedback helps us do a better job of supporting you. So you can tell them exactly what the survey is for, but still make it about them. Once you've got your list of questions ready to go, here are some ways to tailor them for best possible results. In other words, to keep people engaged with your survey until they finished it fully, meaning they've reached the end. Start the ball rolling with an easy to answer question, one that's kind of interesting to them or at least makes them think that you actually really do care. Like that quartz example of, are you reading this from a mobile device, Um, this or that? I don't remember the examples, but you get the point. So start with an easy to answer question. Number two, keep the entire survey simple. Find the shortest ways to ask the question. Don't put multiple questions in the same question field and don't be too complex. Don't try to write a novel in each question. The shorter, the better. You will get more responses. Don't ask leading questions. So questions that lead respondents toward a certain answer will create bias. And I think Ramit talked about this as well. So here's an example of what not to do. We have recently upgraded our product to become a first class tool. What are your thoughts on the new product design? So basically you're saying, Hey, survey takers, the changes we made to our product are really good. Tell us in your own words how good you think they are. Obviously, a little leading, right? Also, ask yes or no questions where you need specific information. Like, I needed to know, do you have a product? Yes or no. If you say no, then I need to know, are you going to create one or sell one in the next six months? Yes or no. Because if a huge portion of people said, no, I don't have a product and no, I don't plan to do one, in the next six months, I was in trouble. Like I was definitely targeting people I thought were very different than they were on my list. So if you need a yes or no, a black or white answer, that's the way to go. Limit open-ended essay questions. So describe what you like about our product is too general, but what are the top three things you like about our product? That's a lot more manageable. So remember every question you ask, remember you're going to have to sift through all the responses And you need to take action on all the responses. So ask them in a way that you can. Avoid questions that don't yield much information. So yes or no isn't helpful when you're trying to find out a lot of their opinions or a lot of the 
options they have, what would they choose? So for example, check all that apply or all none of the above is a good way to get a lot of information within a brief question. So a long time ago, I asked a survey like, which websites do you follow? And I put like 15 of the top. And then I did say like none of the above or other and let them put them in. Most of the people chose from the 15 because I knew my audience well enough to choose those. But you got to just kind of factor in some of those options as well. So sometimes it's good to, if you have a multiple choice question, follow up with an open-ended question where they actually can explain their choice as well. So you give them a little information so they can actually choose something and then you can have them explain it a little bit more. It actually takes the thought out of it that they're not sitting in front of the computer like trying to think of something for you. You're kind of guiding them. You're just not leading them into a bias. Okay, so be careful with asking why. This is something I learned from my business coach, Todd Herman, who I interviewed not too long ago. So when people answer a question one way and you want to gain more insight about it, don't follow up with explain why, which is actually what I did in the survey and then I fixed it. Todd was saying that this can make people feel like they need to defend their answer. And that's the last thing that you want. So instead, take a tell us more kind of approach. So what I would say is if you answered X, tell us more why you feel that blah, blah, blah. So I kind of like gave them the information there, but I didn't say like why. And, and that made sense to me. I, I, was, I appreciated that Todd kind of pointed that out. So here's an example of what not to do. In your response above, you stated that you do not think a sales funnel would work for your business. Why is that? So that's what I was going to do. And so instead, I changed it. In your response above, you stated that you do not think a sales funnel would work for your business. Do you think your product is not a good fit for a traditional sales funnel? Give me some extra insight into your thoughts here so I can better understand how to support you. So I actually asked them a question. Because here's the deal. When I said, do you think your product is a not a good fit for a traditional sales funnel? I knew that that was going to be some people because I, I knew my audience well enough to know, oh, my, my product's not good for a sales funnel. So if that's not what they thought, then they'll be like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. And they'll tell me what they meant. Or if that's what they felt, they'll say, yeah, and I felt that because this. So either way, I got them to engage with that question more by it either being the right thing, I guessed it right, or I guessed it wrong engage more. So this was one of the most powerful questions I asked. Also, a picture is worth a thousand words. So if you can illustrate your question or answers with an image instead of words, do so. I didn't do this, but I've seen this in surveys and I really like it. So don't make your users read and interpret any more than they have to. So here's the deal. Does one of these two logos make you more interested in learning about our new weight loss product? And then this works a lot better than asking visualize a logo with a clown. And now with the numbers one, two, and three, which one would you be most interested in? Obviously that's not going to work. So I didn't ask about any kind of design things, but if you're going to, you need to show them what you're talking about. Final tip, answers are for action. I've said it a million times, but this is so valuable. And this is, I think the biggest takeaway I took from Rumi. So when creating questions on your survey, ask yourself this, what kind of action will I take with the answers once I get them? What kind of action am I going to take? So if the answer is nothing or I'm not too sure, it's time to go back to the drawing board. Don't waste the opportunity. You're only going to get in front of them with the survey once. You got to go for it. And then I always say, go with the demographic stuff. Like if you need to know their name or their email or anything like that at the very end, I like to do that just as the final wrap up, then we're done and then we move on. 
A lot of the times people are a little bit weirded out when you ask for their personal information right at the beginning. Like, okay, what's your, what's your angle here? Why are you asking me this? I thought you wanted to ask me some questions about how I feel about things. So getting their name and email right up front can throw them off. Okay. So now we're getting into the home stretch, how to get your survey into the hands of your audience. So we designed our survey. We were really clear about, you know, ways to put together the survey so you actually get people to fill it out to the final completion. And now one of the biggest questions I get asked all the time is if I don't have an email list, who am I sending the survey to? Now let's just be honest. If you have an email list, you're lucky because that's going to help you get a lot of responses. That's exactly what I did. So if you have an email list, 100% send the survey out, offer an incentive like Amazon gift cards or whatever you want and send it more than once. We sent it twice in order to get about 5,000 people to fill it out. So really valuable to send it twice. Just of course, the second time you send it, don't send it anybody who's already filled it out, right? So be careful with that. Okay, so studies have found that the highest survey open and click-through rates occurred on Monday, Friday, and Sunday. I don't know. I don't know if this is right for sure. We didn't use Monday, Friday, Sunday, but if I had found that research before, I might have tried it. I never usually send most stuff on Monday or Sunday, but I don't know. Something, Something to look for. Okay, one of the girls on my team said she thinks Mondays and Fridays are big because no one wants to work on those days, so why not just fill out a survey? I don't know. She might be onto something. All right. Several survey programs have options that help you promote your survey online. Remember, I mentioned this earlier. So using an online option to promote your survey is highly recommended. And I actually sent out my survey with a boosted post. I don't usually recommend boosted posts for Facebook ads, but this one worked really well because all you do is create a great graphic for your survey. Remember, If you're going to boost it, that graphic can't have more than 20% text. The way you find out if your graphic has too much text, just go to amyporterfield.com forward slash grid tool, G-R-I-D-T-O-O-L. So that's just the grid tool Facebook uses. I usually try to push the limits a little bit and go for 25%, just so you know. So anyway, you can create a really great graphic to grab their attention in the newsfeed and then create some text at the top of the survey. And then from there, or of the post, I'm sorry, about the survey. And then from there, post it on your Facebook page and then boost that post. So pay some money to get it out in front of more of your fans. I would just do your fans because you've done a good job, hopefully, of attracting the right kind of fan to your Facebook page. Even if you don't have a lot of fans, it's okay. But now boost that post to get out in front of more of your fans because we all know we post on our Facebook page and there is a tiny sliver of people that are going to see it. So this is something worth boosting because it's worth investing in. So that's something I would do right away. And in the show notes, I'll show you an example of the survey post I did on my Facebook page so you can see it and kind of get a good sense of what it looked like. Okay, so I'll put that in the show notes, amyporterfield.com forward slash 55. Okay, so here we go. We're moving on to kind of the final stages here. One more point about the Facebook post that you're going to boost, make sure that in that Facebook post, you mention your ideal audience if you need to. So you might want to, let's say you're doing something around weight loss. You might want to say, hey, if you've been struggling with weight loss and you're looking for a solution, I just might have that for you. Let me learn a little bit more about you. And you have the opportunity to, you know, win a supplement pack or whatever it might be. So make, if you make the prize 
really relevant to the person taking the content or taking the survey, you're even better off. So if you need to, you might need to make a disclaimer about who the survey is for. So if they can't relate to it, they won't fill out your survey, which is awesome. So you just want to make sure you get the right people to fill it out. So in addition, okay, so that's Facebook. And then the survey, like SurveyMonkey and Poll Daddy is another one. They tend to have different tools related to them where when someone fills out your survey, like I mentioned, it will encourage them to share it with their Twitter fans or audience or their Facebook audience. So you might want to actually do that as well. I think it's a great idea, especially if you don't have a list. If you have a list, you might not need to do any of that. Also, LinkedIn, there's two great places. I don't talk about LinkedIn a lot, but there's two great places to post your survey on LinkedIn. The first is the network activity box on the main page of your LinkedIn profile. The second is to post your survey link in the answers section. You can find the answers section in the more drop down menu on the top of your LinkedIn account. So in order to reach a large audience on LinkedIn, I would use both of those. If your audience is on LinkedIn, I didn't post mine on LinkedIn. I don't have a big presence there, so I didn't go there. But you've got to know, you know, where your audience is spending time. And I'm sure you already have a good idea about that. With Twitter, you can send out a tweet that contains a sample question from the survey. Like, what's your number one frustration with losing weight? Take the survey. I'll share my top 10 weight loss tips with you when you do. So you're promising something. You're leading with a question on Twitter which will grab their attention and you're getting more people to fill out the survey. And then of course, to get even more traction with your survey, you can ask others to retweet it as well. And you can include a retweet link or whatever you want to do with that. But retweeting is always good. You could, if you want to go the extra mile, make a short video and post it on YouTube or, you know, video, I already went over this in a past episode recently. Video is hot on Facebook. So why not make a quick video just telling people, hey, I created the survey. Here's who the survey's for. This is why I did it. Remember, make it about them. It will take you three minutes to fill out. I'd greatly appreciate it. Just click the link in this post and you could win a $100 Amazon card. So this is what I would say in the video. I didn't make a video, but I should have. So I'd post that on Facebook and I'd post it on YouTube. So if you belong to any other online groups, forums, private Facebook groups, masterminds, send a link to the survey to people that you know well. You might not have a big email list. I bet you have a network of people that you really admire and trust. Ask them to do you a favor. Fill out the survey or send it to somebody who would find value in it. Meaning, remember, if it's for a very targeted specific group, then you want to make sure that only people that really are relevant to the survey are filling it out. So tell people, this is for XYZ. If you know anyone like that, please help me out and forward the survey to them. And just remember, you do not need thousands, you don't need 5,000 people to fill out your survey to start really collecting some valuable information. If you're just starting out and you get 20 people that are valuable people, truly people in your target audience to fill out the survey, you will learn a lot about them. I can promise you that. So I have a friend of mine, her name's Gina, and she's in the early stages of her business. And she's trying to find out something very specific, how busy moms who are trying to start a business spend their day, where they're struggling, what gets in the way, how hard is it to be a mom and starting a business? What do you wish you had or knew right now to make this easier? 
She hasn't even started her blog, but she's just trying to figure out about these busy moms who are trying to start a business. She wants to know what blogs they read, if they listen to podcasts, who they would turn to if they needed it. And she wants to know, this is important, guys. She wants to know if you do not read any productivity or organizational kind of blogs or magazines or books or podcasts, why not? And they might say, I have no time for that. Or, you know, I need to focus more on my marketing and my business. So you need to meet them where they're at, what they think they want, but then you can always also give them what they need. So Gina might need to create some kind of Trojan horse If these women feel like they don't have time to even learn more about productivity, there's always a way if they need it. So she's just learning more about them right now. And I thought that was a great idea. She put it into SurveyMonkey and then guess what she did? She emailed 20 moms that she knew and whether they were creating a business or not and just said, if you are thinking about starting a business or if they already had a business on the side, please fill out the survey and please send this out to one other person you think would be in that same target market. And we're all her great girlfriends. Of course we do it for her and we would love to see her succeed. That's where you start if you're starting at the very beginning. It will definitely help you understand your audience more. Sometimes you can think about a survey like a first date. So if you spend the whole time on your first date talking about you, making sure that the person really understands you and what you're about and what you need, you're probably not going to get a second date, right? But if you spend the whole entire date asking about them and what they like and what interests them and their concerns, their challenges, you know, what makes them tick, there's a really good chance you're getting a second date. And that's how I want you to think about the survey. It is all about them. Sure, all the results are going to be really valuable, but you first come from the point, just like anything in business, make it about them. So bottom line, when you're creating the survey, Don't think so hard about what you're trying to accomplish in your business. Of course, that's going to be in the the back of your mind, but think about getting to know your target market more. What do you genuinely want to know about them and what kind of information would allow you to serve them more? I'm telling you, surveys could dramatically change your copywriting efforts. You'll get so much more confident in what you write, the kind of content you create, your blog posts, your podcasts. I can tell you a lot of my podcasts coming out from now on are going to focus on a lot of those core needs in that survey. Why wouldn't they, right? That's my target market. So hopefully you found that all these tips valuable. I know it was a long, long, long podcast, way longer than I anticipated, but I had a lot to share about this one. I think it's so very valuable. Come back to it when you have more time, maybe listen through one more time. And also remember this, I have a giveaway that kind of sums up everything I went through here. And I added a little more insight there that I didn't even share on the podcast. So make sure you get your hands on that giveaway. So here's the deal. It's called Product Maximizer, Four Smart Ways to Sell More Products Online. It's absolutely free and it's way more robust than all my other PDF giveaways that I've done in the past because this one is like really in-depth how to make more money. I created it directly after I read the survey. So I think you're going to find it really valuable. All you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 55 download, or you can text the phrase 55 download to 38470 and you can get instant access. Thank you so much for staying with me on this long episode. Thank you so, so much. And I cannot wait to talk to you again soon. Have a great week and take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.